0: college gridiron WFUV's college football podcast i'm ryan gregware joined by danny scott uh danny we had the pleasure actually of watching some of these games together this week and always fun when you're chopping up with your co hosts you know we knew our each other's picks uh quickly i I believe i went three and one you went one and three or two and two maybe i'm wrong two and two we split and we both go two and two
1: right uh you went you went or you went three and one i went i went two and two the okay. uh, the Ole Miss and Texas picks were a little, we had, things were getting a little pretentious between us and uh, oh yeah you were out on yeah. top,
0: yeah uh, we'll get into the Texas game in a little bit but I was with you for that we were both working on the football game and you were ready to throw a parade for that game with you know how it was looking early but we'll get into that um, we'll start though with something that I didn't expect us to talk about we kind of you know shot ourselves in the foot so to say with this game. Texas AM shocks Alabama 41 238 on ranked Texas m at the time, coming off two straight losses, hit a game winning field goal. This time expired. I don't know if you saw there's a video of the uh, Texas A&M kickers, parents, and family, and they like it was really a special moments. What college ball is all about, but the important thing, Nick Saban, the first time a disciple of his has beaten him, also marked the first time in 100 straight unranked games that Alabama lost. And this is one where, you know, if you listen to last week, it was titled Alabama, Georgia, and everyone else. And we kind of put some reputations, some life's on the line. You know, we were really locking in that Alabama went into the SEC championship undefeated. We really were. That clearly is not the case. Texas AM, m you give them a ton of credit bouncing back after two straight losses. Danny, your thoughts overall on just a wild, wild game.
1: Well, I didn't have this game circled. I didn't start watching until the fourth quarter. Like, like you said, I believe I said verbatim, I would put my life on the line for Alabama to win the natty. Alabama goes out and they lose Nick Saban. Now 24 and one against former assistants. I mean, going 24 and zero is absurd. You think that's just going to be a lifetime deal. Now, Jimbo Fisher comes out, gets the job done for Texas A&M. They play a good game. And they knock off who I still at this point believe is the best team in the country.
0: It's interesting because you look at this game, all them had more passing yards, more rushing yards, significantly better on third down and blocked a punt for a touchdown. When you do that, I believe you're, it's like an 88% to 90% chance. You just win the game, taking every other factor out. So having all those things going for you and still losing, it's weird because you know, you look at it and they, they dominated the field, everything like that. But they got down big early a little bit, you know, down 17-7 to right away. Um, when you look at this game, from my perspective, it was the red zone play calling. It has to get better, and I think that's where you look at it. I think they settled for two to three field goals under 25 yards. Bryce Young threw a pick in the end zone. So you flip those, suddenly you're looking at a different game. But at the same time, you look at this defense, you know, you, you struggle early, everything like that. But you do take a 38-31 lead with like seven minutes, five minutes actually to go. You'd think, you look at this Bama team all throughout, that would be enough, that's what concerns me. It's the defense, you know. We saw last year, they really didn't get pushed at all. There was that one old Miss game where it was like tied with maybe like 11 minutes left and then they kind of just ran them away with their offense. But you look, that's two games this year where they've really been pushed. You look at the Florida game where I think we definitely threw it out and we still might be right to do that. Just a one-off SEC, you're in the swamp, everything like that, it was early in the season. You know, you needed a two point conversion to stop that game and this one you end up losing. So that's two now this season. But you look at the defense and it was not great. I think first Florida, they gave up their most rushing yards ever with a Nick Saban defense. You know, the Russian defense was better in this one. Uh, Zach Calzada had a really nice game for backup to beating Bama. Great story there. I think when I look at this, the defense is what's concerning. I expect the red zone offense, everything like that to get better but the defense is where, you know, a little bit of a little question marks here, your thoughts overall on the defense.
1: Yeah. I think it's a pretty common phrase. Defense wins championships. And like you mentioned, Alabama's defense didn't live up to what we've seen in in past years. Even last year, last year, they were a top five defensive team in the country. They had multiple guys go first round off their defense. Um, It's it's just going to be whether Saban can get them, get them back in line and, I mean, we're going to see Alabama, Georgia. I'm still predicting in the SEC ch- championship and Georgia's defense is no slouch. So it's going to be apparently a very, very high, high powered offense for Alabama against the best defensive team in the country this year in Georgia.
0: Yeah. You look at the rest of Bama's schedule. Um, you know, there's not, I know we kind of said this last week, but there's not really a, an Avenue here where one, you can't afford another loss. It's double elimination. Um, you know, everything like that. Your season's over if you lose another game, so they know that. Mississippi State, Tennessee, LSU, uh, New Mexico State, Arkansas, who's nice, and at Auburn, which has given them a little trouble at least. But you don't expect them to lose any of those games. Bryce Young also looked very good overall in this one. I know I talked about the red zone pick, but he still had a really nice game. He's still in line for the Heisman conversation. It doesn't, it doesn't concern me a ton. Uh, they dropped down to number five. They are not the fifth-best team in the country. They're significantly better than that. We all know that. But after losing that game, it's a fair ranking. So this was definitely a shocker, though. Like, we can't sit here and kind of just throw it out because, as Danny said, he put his life on the line that they would kind of run this thing here, and, th- and that's not what they did. So we're going to keep an eye on that. We'll probably go more bigger picture. You guys have something? I so.
1: mean? Yeah. So the one thing I do want to say for Alabama is this could end up being very good for the school. This could be a wake-up call for them. This gets the players amped up. They go, hey, we that sucked. I hate that feeling. I do not want to lose another game. Um, I believe they're 17-point favorites against Mississippi State this week, and I would imagine they're going to beat them by 40. I think they're going to come out so fired up, and they're just going to lay the hammer down on Mississippi State this week.
0: Yeah, I actually love that point. Um, sometimes wake-up calls are good, especially – when you've, you haven't lost since like November of 2019, um, which how Hal- Alabama had not. So, you know, we're going to see. We're going to keep an eye. Uh, they definitely – 17, I didn't know it was that low. I might be running, you know, to put that in after this show here. Um, let's go into some more games quickly, though. The team, you know, we're not going to talk really about this game, but Georgia, they took care of their business 34-10 to 10, uh, versus Auburn. No questions there. They're absolutely – they deserve the number one spot right now. Now, whether they're better than Alabama – We're going to find out, I think, but there's no, at least from my perspective, you know, argument here that Georgia deserves to be number one in the country right
1: now. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, Georgia's all defense are just going to run it down your throat. They're going to play the Georgia style football that you see year in, year out, and they're doing it maybe better than we've seen in our lifetime so far. So I'm, I got the game, the SEC championship game, already circled on my calendar. It's going to be a fun one, going to be a barn burner. Um, we'll see. I, I still think Alabama all around is a better football team, but Georgia has given me nothing to prove me wrong that they should not be the number one team in the country right now.
0: Right. And let's they were number two going to this. Number three going into this now jumps up to number two. Let's talk about that game. This is one that we did watch. Together, Penn State, uh, number four, number three, Penn State versus Iowa. They lose to Iowa in Iowa, 23-20. to First off, just before we get to the game, I saw there was criticism of the fans storming the field. That's ridiculous. Uh, you win a game like this, I don't care if you're a favorite and you're higher ranked, you absolutely storm the field. But this game was a tale of two games, I'd say. And you point to Sean Clifford's injury. That's absolutely the turning point. It changed so much in this game. Penn State's up 17-3, to and they're really dominating this football game. The offense is moving down the field enough. The defense is playing great. It did play great overall. But once Sean Clifford got hurt, you know, Will Levis was there last year. He's now the starting quarterback for the number 10 team in the country. You really miss him. He deserved the chance to start. But now you look at the backup, Taquan Roberson, I think is how you pronounce that name. And he just, like, I don't want to rip the kid. He just did not have anything. He really is what kind of paralyzed this Penn State offense. They gained 50 yards on 46 plays with him. You know, a lot of that has to do with Iowa's punting game. They flipped the field a ton, five series for Penn State started inside the 10. But Iowa, you you looked at that game in that fourth quarter, and I know I think we said this, like, they just need that one score. Like, they're not going to give up points right now. Um, You know, no offense. Penn State just could not move the football. They just needed enough to get that lead. It's what they did. They scored a game-winning touchdown in that fourth quarter. And even though it was only a three-point game, you kind of knew that would be enough. You know, I don't know if I think Iowa is better than Penn State at this moment at full strength, but that's not what matters. This is college football. Your quarterback got hurt. You weren't able to do anything. All the credit in the world goes to Iowa for picking up the three-point win.
1: Yeah, we we watched this game together, like you had mentioned, and uh, I was starting to get a little nervous. Uh, Penn State was rolling, like you said, up 17-3. to Then Clifford goes down, and uh, I'm not an Iowa fan, but as a a person that picked Iowa this week, I – got a little glimmer of hope Iowa is able to crawl back like i mentioned last week top five special team unit in the country you saw it on complete display they have such good defense again doesn't allow a team to score more than 25 points uh i think i said that's dating back to 2018 it's it's some astronomical amount of games in a row but iowa has the clearest path to the playoff i believe right now they they went out they're in um it's the big 10 is so tight right now, but the remaining Iowa schedule isn't really tough until the college, until the big 10 championship. Um, So, I mean, I think a one loss Iowa team is probably good enough to get into these playoffs, especially if that one loss is in the big 10 championship.
0: It's a really interesting conversation. And I looked at their schedule too. It's you, it's crazy because the big 10 is so stacked. Um, So I, I was expecting when I was looking to the schedule to see a gauntlet like Penn state, for instance, they have a gauntlet. They moved to number seven. I don't think their season's over because of how impressive their schedule is remaining. I think if they take care of business, I mean, if they went out, they were going to be a top three team in the country because they play number six, Ohio state at Ohio state, number eight, Michigan and Michigan state. Who's also in the top 10 there. So you look at that, that's a gauntlet for Penn state and that's just to get a chance to play Iowa again. You look at this Iowa schedule, no more ranked games. And I understand the Big Ten is, is you know, it's, it's not this pillow conference. Like, you're going to have tough games even if, you know, the teams aren't necessarily playing great. But they definitely have a very clear path here. You talked about the hypotheticals down the line. Can a one-loss team get in? I think it depends how they lose. It depends what other teams do. But right now, you look at Iowa. They did what they needed to do. It doesn't matter about the quarterback. That's not going to hurt them on the resume. Um, I, I am worried, though, about their long-term outlook, maybe in the plus, everything like that. I just don't think the offense – is explosive enough to make significant noise to win a national championship. But I guess we don't have to worry about that right now. But I wasn't really impressed. I thought this game shouldn't have been that close once Sean Clifford got hurt. It was very much a break for them, gave their defense a chance to kind of dominate. And yeah, so I just I do worry about this offense long term, not in the short term, not even in the regular season. But like if they play Ohio State, if they play a Penn State at full strength, I don't know if I can trust this Iowa offensive unit and Spencer to put up enough points.
1: Completely agree. The one thing I will say, like I just mentioned for Georgia, is defense wins championships. And Iowa may have the best defense in the country, whether or not that's Iowa or Georgia. We will find out. I'm not sure this is a national championship winning team. However, I do think this team has proven it to enough already. And I think they'll continue to prove it enough why they should have the opportunity to play for a national championship um, in the upcoming future.
0: Right. Um, yeah. So we're going to see what happens there. I'm really interested to see how Penn state bounces back Ohio state in two weeks. I think Clifford will be back by them. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure his status, but that should be a great game. And Let's check your,
1: well, don't count out Michigan too. I mean, they, oh, they yeah. played a, a tough game against Nebraska, but they're still a top 10 team. Uh, I mean, the big 10 this year is absolutely stacked a few weeks ago. We thought it was all sec and it's kind of changing my mind. Michigan state looks like a tough school Iowa, obviously, Ohio State, obviously. We've talked about Penn State. I, I mean, the Big Ten is loaded this year with talent. Five um, teams in the top ten. That's absurd. It's absurd. And
0: especially you look at it last year, I know it's a little bit of a tangent. Like, this was a, the most disappointing conference in college football. Penn State Absolutely. started 0-5. It was really Ohio State and nobody else. They weren't pushed really at all. Um, so, you know, the turnaround, to Michigan State's flipped their program under Mel Tucker – this is a great chance for Michigan. We'll see what happens there. But this is a great chance for Michigan. Uh, will they capitalize? We don't know. Uh, let's shift here to a game where I think if maybe maybe the game of the week in terms of the action, um, maybe not, though. Maybe this SEC game we'll get into in a minute is. I'm talking about Oklahoma-Texas in terms of the wild back and forth, in terms of the substitutions, everything like that. Uh, just a wild Red River showdown. Oklahoma does take care of business, 55 48, and it was really just, you know, it was marked, the spark here it was a quarterback change, but it worked out in the team's favor. Uh, Spencer Rattler, his struggles this year, we've talked a lot about it, how they've been playing with fire, how this offense should be dynamic. He was the favorite for the Heisman going into the year, and there was just something missing. The offense just wasn't hitting that next level, and this is where, you know, Texas forced their hands with how special they were in offense. They go up 14-0, two minutes into the game. Two minutes into the game, 28-7. I believe, at the end of the first quarter. Um, so you look at it from Oklahoma's side. You give Lincoln Riley a ton of credit. Caleb Williams had a 66-yard rushing touchdown off the rip. It was very obvious also as his running game element. It opened it up for Kennedy Brooks, who had his best game as a football player, 25 for 217. Oklahoma takes their first lead in this one with, I think, seven minutes left. So they were really down all game. Um, you know, you give him a ton of credit there. They move up to number four. Now, I don't know if I'm all the way convinced on Oklahoma just yet, We'll get into some quarterback controversy in a minute here, but your thoughts, Danny, you picked Texas. It was looking really good early on this kind of, I don't know if it was a collapse from Texas, but maybe it was Oklahoma waking up. Curious what your take on that is.
1: Yeah. I mean, Texas, uh, I, we talked about it in in previous episodes. I think we both have always thought Texas is a fraudulent school. They, they just somehow find, find ways to lose games. And here's another classic example. They should have taken out uh, Oklahoma this week. Oklahoma, I still i am not high on them. I, I don't even know if I put them in my top five at the moment. Um, they get it done. They find a way, find a way to win. But, I mean, you can get into this right now. I, I'm so out on Spencer Rattler now. I mean, they were just getting pummeled by Texas. And Texas, like I said, I don't know if they're a good football team or not. They they make the uh, change, bring in Caleb Williams. He starts putting up points, brings them all the way back. And I mean, this is why this is such a good rivalry in college football. It's one of the premier ones, an amazing game, so much fun to watch. We were watching it in the studio together. And like you said, 28 to 7, I am throwing a victory parade running around the studio. I was amped up. And I had to eat my words on this one and the next one that we're going to talk about and on Alabama. So this was a rough, rough college football week for me.
0: Yeah. You mentioned, I don't know if Texas is good. And I don't necessarily know either, but one thing I do know is their offense is really good. Defense isn't quite there yet. First year under Sark, but you know, Thompson goes 388 yards, five touchdowns. Bijan Robinson. He might be the best running back, best player. In college football, he'll be back next year, too. I imagine he'll be near the top of Heisman. This was a – he goes into this game. Oklahoma, their Russian defense was, I think, ranked 13th in the country. We talked about it last week. It'd be a huge area to exploit. He goes 20 carries for 137. So, for him to do that, for the offense to really put up 40-plus, it was an all-time shootout. And so, Lincoln Riley needed to make a move. He really did – I think it's really telling that he did when he, Like Spencer Rattler, it's just so weird how much he struggled. Nobody saw this coming. And I guess the other story from this will shift into it after kind of what makes college football special. I know I said that earlier with the game winning kick and the family for a and but this is really just an all time college football story. You won't see anywhere else in an Oklahoma reporter. I don't have it in front of me. So if I mess anything up, make sure to correct me, Danny, I believe an Oklahoma reporter went on a public building, the top of it had binoculars and he was scouting the Oklahoma practice. And he reported that Caleb Williams was taking first team reps and I believe Lincoln Riley immediately canceled his media availability the rest of the week until Sunday, Saturday. So, you know, if that's telling you something like, that's a really interesting thing that that was canceled, everything like that. We don't really know because they haven't had the media availability. That's the one piece of the one nugget we have. So awesome story, but I guess it looks like they're going with Caleb Williams. I'm not hundred percent sure. Do you think that's the right move here?
1: Absolutely. I mean, your offense has, has you had the 170 76, 76- to zero win against uh who was it western tennessee some no-name school western carolina a, a school that you're supposed to beat 76 to zero if you're oklahoma their offense has been stalled all year you bring in williams he puts up numbers for you you get the win against your rival college and now you move up to number four you jump up two spots after that i mean rattler is i think he's a good player i just don't know what's wrong with him Like you've seen it. You saw it last year. Last year, he looked like a good quarterback. He was the number one quarterback of this class for a reason. I mean, he's a good player. It's just not working out in Oklahoma for whatever reason why.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, he's been very supportive. He's going to do whatever he can to help the team. I imagine, too, even if they start, Caleb Williams, Spencer Routher is going to be heavily involved in the offense. Lincoln Riley's too creative of an offensive mind. He's going to use both athletes because Caleb Williams also is running dynamic. It's going to help them out a ton. It did versus Texas. It, you, you have a scenario here where you could get two quarterbacks on the field, see some significant time. So we're going to see what happens there. Um, before we get to the next game, like I'll call it right now. Cause I've been out on Oklahoma, but I did pick them to win. I just thought the focus would be that I think they're going to lose this week versus TCU. It's going to be in Oklahoma too. But you know, I look at it, I, the quarterback thing does worry me. If it's Caleb Williams, I liked him a lot more. I just think TCU has been kind of, Underrated this year, but don't decide. They played Texas at the absolute wire. I think they're a good football team. Um, Max Duggan, he can score a ton of points here. So Oklahoma, like they, they can struggle, I guess, how much they did versus Texas. I think they got very fortunate to come out on top. I still think they're playing with fire. I still don't see them as a playoff team. You know, they went in number two. They're still undefeated. You think about all the turmoil and the fact that they're only number four right now. I'm in the turmoil in college football, by the way. The fact that they're now number four after winning every game, I think says a lot about how unimpressed the committee's been. You kind of just have to put them there because of what they've been in the past. So I'm going to call that right now. We're not going to preview that game or anything, but I just want that on the record. I do think this is the game where they do drop it. Uh, you look at the schedule, there's not really one on it where you're going to be pushed as much as you were versus Texas, which is exactly why I think it's a letdown spot. Um, so we're going to see what happens there with Oklahoma. We'll talk about them in a little bit. One more game I think, you know, we should talk about before we go bigger picture, Ole Miss-Arkansas, an all-time game, um, 52-251 Ole Miss, comes out on top, you know, Arkansas, drives down the field, scores the touchdown, goes for two to win the game. I remember in the Texas game when they tied it up with around five-ish minutes left, I said, or I think it was less than that, actually, I said they should go for two, and then you said, "Uh, look what just happened in the Arkansas-Ole Miss game, it did not work out for them, so that's what happened. Uh, Matt Corral back in the Heisman conversation. I checked before this, you know, I had him preseason uh, plus 2,000. Uh, he's now, I think he's, he's anywhere from plus 200, tied with Bryce Young to a slight underdog. Last year he had six interceptions versus so. Arkansas. This time 52 points accounted for four touchdowns. So a great win for all Miss now, you know, we're not going to talk a ton about this game because I don't think big picture matters a ton. We've seen, we saw last week, both these teams lost to the premier SEC talents in Georgia and Alabama. Arkansas, I still do give them credit for how awful they looked for bouncing back the way they did. But I give Ole Miss credit, their offense credit. I'm still in on Arkansas. I don't know. I just think this was a fun game to watch. I don't have too many strong takeaways one way or the other.
1: I, I, would, I would tend to agree with that. It was a fun game to watch. A lot of points scored. And the decision to go for two, I don't hate it. it I think that was the right decision by Sam Pittman. I think it was just poor execution. You're uh, on the road, going for two, let's win this, let's get out of here. That's a pretty common theme in football. You're on the road, go for two, try to get the win and sneak out of there. You're at home playing in front of your fans, got a lot of juice. Let's uh, tie the game up. Let's go to OT and let's, let's win it in OT. So I don't hate the decision by Arkansas to go for it. Obviously, it didn't work out for them, but that's, that's what makes college football fun. That's what breeds chaos. That's, that's why we watch the games. That's why the games are played. So I think it was an incredibly played game by both sides. It was a it was a bounce back game for both teams. Uh, I mean, obviously Arkansas coming off that horrendous loss to uh, Georgia and Ole Miss coming off a pretty bad loss to Alabama. It, it was it was a hard fought game, and these teams were a lot better evenly matched than I thought. I thought I liked Arkansas in this one. Obviously, it didn't work out. Almost did, but uh, not quite enough juice from Arkansas in on this one.
0: Yeah, and you look at I think it reflects in the committee. Neither take it – I mean, obviously Ole Miss doesn't take it toll they at 13. Arkansas still 17. Uh, I still am impressed with Arkansas. Um, did I mess that up?
1: No, they, they flip-flopped. Oh, Going God. into this, Arkansas was 13, Ole Miss 17. Oh, yeah, so just...
0: even though, like, Arkansas not a ton of drop after losing two straight, um, I think they definitely – I believe they play Auburn this week. Um, if I'm not mistaken. I do think they have to win that game. You looked at their four-game gauntlet stretch that we kind of been talking about the last few weeks. They take that game versus a which looks a lot better now, the way a just played, um, and then they obviously drop so these two games. But we're going to see what happens there. You know, we do apologize. Last week's slate, we were absolutely spoiled. It's not that great this week. Um, I think we're going to spend, you know, the rest of the show pretty much talking about the top ten, talking about what we see going on. But – there is one game I think that kind of matters. Um, OK State versus Texas, number 12, OK State, 25, Texas. Oklahoma State, the most quietly undefeated team in college football. Hand up, I had no clue they were undefeated, no clue. When I saw that, you know, Texas was playing number 12, number 25, I legitimately thought there was a chance that it was Texas that was ranked number 12 after how well they played. I just – I would not seen it from OK State, but this one should be really interesting. Uh, Texas is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that's very telling – You look at it, uh, OK State's D line's been dominating, but pretty bad matchup there versus Bijan Robinson. I like Texas 100% in a bounce back. Um, I like, you know, their offense really impressed me a ton. So I'll pick it quickly there. I will go Texas in this one. I think they'll cover that five and a half very easily. OK State hasn't had a real tough schedule up to this point. Danny, your thoughts on that one?
1: Couldn't agree with you more. Oklahoma State hasn't played anyone tough. Um, Texas has played a few tough games they've lost a couple heartbreakers um, I like Texas in this Bijan Robinson I think he's going to go off have another great day uh, like you said future Heisman candidate I, I just I don't see it from Oklahoma State I think they're just ranked that high because they're undefeated and then the big 12 and uh, I think the committee's doing everything they can to rank the big 12 teams as high as possible like we see with Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, and that'll probably be what helps Oklahoma because their last ranked game is against OK State. So you want to, you know, if you're Oklahoma, you kind of want them to stay relevant and have that be an impressive win. Let's last few minutes here. Let's go into this top ten. We're about halfway through. Maybe I'm wrong. Through the
1: there is there is one more game that's worth at least mentioning, and that's number one Georgia versus. uh, I was going to talk about
0: this top ten because. uh, gotcha. Both these teams are in the top ten. Um, you know, Georgia number one, Kentucky I believe is ten. Maybe I nine. think
1: I believe there are 11.
0: 11 okay. Um but the crazy thing is Georgia's 20 point favorites. 21 and a half point favorites. So that's very telling. So I think Georgia's going to steamroll them. I really do. I, I think after this week we can drop the Kentucky talk. I'll just say that right now before we get into this. I don't I don't know what you're thinking.
1: I I would not be surprised if uh Georgia beats them by 20 plus. I it's Georgia's so good. I think it's another thing. Kentucky's undefeated in the SEC. Like, you got to give them props. But I mean, Kentucky's uh, rain this season is about to uh, come down hard and heavy on them.
0: Yeah. So they're, they're 11. Um, you know, I think you look at the top 10 right now. I think there's probably an avenue for nine of those 10 teams to get in. Georgia, you know, we've talked about clear number one. Then I, first of all, Georgia, Iowa, Cincinnati, Oklahoma. That's your top four. That's your playoff if it started today. We talked about this just walking back from class the other day. If you told us that in September, that that would be your top four, like we would think you are absolutely crazy. Cincinnati we knew it would be really good returning pretty much all their starters, but Iowa number two, Georgia number one, um, obviously it's not going to stay this way. I don't think anyone does, but that's your top four. And then we talked about Alabama, just drops to number five. They're, they're right there. The committee's not stupid. They're not going to overreact. Um, Ohio State at six. And then you get into little, This is where the Big Ten real gauntlet comes in because it's Ohio State at six, who have bounced back after their loss to Oregon a few weeks ago. Then you have Penn State seven, Michigan eight. All three of those teams will play each other. And then you have Oregon sandwiched between Michigan State and all those Big Ten schools. Those four Big Ten schools all play each other the rest of the year. Oregon already having beaten Ohio State, but they lost to Stanford, I believe, the other week. Um, They're the one team where I think it's be really tough for them to get in after that loss. Um, I'm not sure, but that's your top ten. I think those are really if you're looking at it theoretically. I guess if Kentucky you know wins this week, they're they're right in that playoff spot. Those are I think any combination of those four with Georgia and Iowa probably are your are your four playoff teams. Um, so I'm wondering here, last few minutes, you know we just talked about the Big Ten's going to beat up on each other. That'll even itself out. The SEC championship will likely feature two of these teams. Wondering what your thoughts are as we are at this halfway point. Top ten looking like these are the teams that are going to be in the Ball playoff.
1: I would imagine one, two, and three right now are, are looking pretty secure in that top, top three seeds. I think all of them have a clear path, whether Georgia's number one or number four going into it, that'll, that'll tell me a different story, whether Alabama can jump back up. Um, but I think Cincinnati has maybe the clearest path out of everyone else. Yeah. They got the easiest schedule remaining. They're already number three, they're in a not-so-tough conference. I mean, the American conference is it's owned by Cincinnati. Um, Georgia and Alabama, they're most likely – I'm not going to throw my life out there this week again. They're most likely going to meet in the SEC championship. And uh, Iowa, I mean, it's going to come down to the Big Ten championship. They got a easy, pretty easy go as long as they don't slip. And I think it then comes down to what happens between Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. I, don't, I would not put Michigan State in the same category as those three. I think they're a good team. They've gotten lucky a few times. But it really depends on can Ohio State run the table? And then it becomes a question, who gets in? A one-loss uh, Alabama team that wins the SEC championship, a one-loss Georgia team that loses the SEC championship, a one-loss Ohio State team that wins the Big Ten, a one-loss Iowa team that wins the Big Ten, and then Cincinnati's in there too going, hey, we're undefeated, we won our conference. What's going on here? It's, there is a lot to be hashed out, and this is the exact reason why the college football playoffs needs to expand. There's yes. just too many good teams for a fourteen team playoff. The, the uh, committee is shooting themselves in the foot this year by uh, keeping it up for teams.
0: And it's usually not even, like, about there being eight teams that are legitimate competitors. It's usually just about giving teams fair shots, like a Cincinnati who could never get in under this format. Maybe this is the year that changes. But this year there's legitimately eight, nine schools where you feel really good about. And I know, like, at the top it's kind of heavy, but we've seen them be vulnerable. Even, like, in Georgia, we saw them having to squeak by Clemson, and we know how good Clemson is, but they've had their struggles this year. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see. I completely agree. Cincinnati has the easiest path. The only ranked game is home versus SMU. I think they're going to be focused enough. The ACC, you're not going to face any of these – AAC, excuse me. You're not going to face any gauntlets. You've already taken care of enough business to get you to number three. Um, and if they do run the table and they don't get in, there's no ever – there's not ever going to be a scenario where a non-Power 5 gets in. That's the reality of it. They see that. They're going to move to the Big 12. Because of that, they know it hurts their chances. Um, So I think they have the best odds. And then, you know, these conversations we're going to be having, it's funny because in two weeks they could so easily be irrelevant. If, like, whatever happens in Penn State, Ohio State, the Big Ten, one of these four schools I think is going to dip, like, significantly. Just the reality because all four play each other. And this is excluding Iowa because I think Iowa goes into the last game of the year controlling their own destiny completely. And I think even they could lose and and still be in. So I would go, I guess, if we're talking about – I do think a one-loss Georgia, though, would would get in over a one-loss Iowa, especially um, with beating a Clemson and everything like that. So that's kind of where I see that. I would, I would rank the likeliness that these teams at least go into it with the best odds. Um, Cincinnati, Georgia, Iowa. I've talked about Oklahoma. I think they're going to fall. I really do. And then I look at Ohio State. That loss versus Oregon is going to be very much in the rearview mirror if they run win out versus all these top 10 programs like to win out for Ohio state to win everything, you know, they're beating right now, it would be number seven, number eight, number 10, number two, like that's enough to get in when you're only six already. So I think it would be Ohio state as that four um, with those odds and Bama too, Bama's going to get in. So, you know, that's really, I look at the top six right now, I'm going to just boot out Oklahoma. I look at those five we'll be battling For four, in my opinion, I I love Penn State, but I just don't think they're going to I think they're going to drop one of these games and two losses in college football is almost a death sentence. You know, and I don't think we're going to see Penn State be the team that breaks the mold, especially if we have an undefeated Cincinnati. It's a lot of rambling we're doing right now. It's a lot of what can be irrelevant. But that's how I see things shaping out, I guess, like just for fun here, because we don't have a great slate. Let's do our way, way, way too early top four. Let's do it. We didn't really talk about doing this, but I like getting put on the spot. It hasn't been helping us out lately because our takes have really hurt. Um, I'll start it off, though. I'll go. I think Bama wins out and they beat Georgia. I think they'll be number one. Um, I think number two is going to be really interesting. We could be seeing Ohio State there. I think they will win out. Um, Number three, I have Iowa. And number four, Georgia. It's weird. I just talked about how I think Cincinnati has the best odds. I think they will go undefeated but we saw it last year it didn't help them out i think we'll see it this year i think they'll really get robbed um by this committee and i think by that point bama and Ohio state some signature wins will be fresher in the committee's mind so my top four which is way too early um i have alabama i have iowa i have ohio state and i have georgia as my top four
1: if i were to rank it as how i think do you want it as how i think the rankings will end up Or, what do I
0: think will be the top four teams?
1: I would, I'm going to go against the grain and call a long shot here. I think Iowa ends up as the number one team in the country. I think Alabama ends up at number two. I think Cincinnati ends up three and Georgia number four. I, if that's how I think it's going to go, I think Iowa's defense is too good. Um, They're going to be able to shut down Ohio State in that Big Ten championship, or if they have to face Penn State again, I think they already have a game plan uh, going into it, and they saw how Sean Clifford played, so they'll they'll be able to game plan for that a little bit better. I I like Alabama over Georgia in the SEC championship, uh, so I think they'll jump up to number two, but I don't think you could take away number one from an undefeated Big Ten champion, Iowa. Uh, Cincinnati, they're going to remain at three for the remainder of the season, and then Georgia sneaks in one loss to uh, the SEC champion, Alabama.
0: Interesting. You're, you are playing your hand here with Iowa. So you think they're going to win out here? You think they're going to win in the Big Ten championship game versus whichever one of those teams are? Interesting that none of us, you know, we really talk about Michigan. They're very dangerous and they're still undefeated. And they do control their own destiny if they are able to win the Big Ten. So these conversations are way too premature. We understand that. But that's what college football is all about. It's about having these theoreticals that never come into play. So what's
1: up? Uh, I, I'm just agreeing with you. And uh, next week, I will probably be recording this from South Bend, Indiana. So that'll be a fun one. So we'll be able to talk, be able to give you guys a little bit of firsthand experience about how Notre Dame football is all about. Didn't get to talk about them this week, but uh, excited for that next week, excited for college football, not a great slate this week, but uh, I mean, there's a lot to talk about going on and uh, the the rankings, is, it's just going to keep getting more wild and wild. This has been one of the best college football seasons I've ever witnessed.
0: Yeah, so that's going to be awesome, you and South Bend. Um, I'm sure we will need some updates on that. That'll be an all-time experience. But I think that's just about going to do it. So there's so much more the rest of the season to play out. A lot of hypotheticals on this show, but, you know, as we talked about, that is what this sport is all about. So that is going to do it. For College Gridiron, I'm Ryan Greggart with Danny Scott, a production of
1: WFB Sports.